Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the wonderful renaissance of gaming that we are currently in. It has been said on this podcast many times that there are just so many good games out there in the world today that it just that are competing for our hobby dollars and our hobby time, which in some cases these days is even more precious than money. Um, this podcast explores the wonderful world of gaming, big things that are happening in the, the gaming industry, and you know things that are interesting us, me, uh, my name is Brad, and my guests. Now, as a podcaster, there are those guests and every podcast has one of these guests. Guests where you just, they're the, the white whale, so to speak. You always want to land them, and you always try, and, and something gets in the way. And, I mean, it's not like this guest we have on today hasn't, you know, hasn't been willing. Definitely, the man's always been ready, and we're old friends. But, God, just just never fell together until now. So, let me be very happy to introduce this fine gentleman. You might know him from the Flesh Star Destroyer. He was known as Stephen Sky Shuffler. You might know him as the one and only WWPD Steve. If you're nasty, you might know him as Mr. McLaughlin. But whatever you do, definitely do not greeble haul the man in front of his squad. Stephen McLaughlin. Welcome Man. to Cast Dice. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That was a hell of an intro. Also, I forgot about Griebel hauling, so I might be stifling some giggles over here. <laughs> no worries, man. For those of you who don't know, uh, Steve and I did a podcast for years, a Star Wars Armada podcast. Uh, and when I say we, I mean he uh, and, uh, you know, WWPD greats like Dano and uh, ye old Judson and... Eric, and just so many great people. Uh, but the funny thing about that podcast was in how, I don't know, like 25, 26 episodes that we did, Steve, I literally never spoke a word, which if you listen to this podcast, might be amazing. Yeah, but your silence often spoke volumes. You know, it was the blaster bolts and the, the, the screeches of the TIE fighter. That's it, baby. That's how we do it. <laughs> it's just, it's great to actually be able to talk to you and have you respond, man. How are you going? What's going on? Oh, man, I'm, I'm fantastic. Matter of fact, I don't know how uh, still embedded in the world of the Star Wars games you are, but I, I'm coming back from a Cinco de Mayo party uh, with uh, our good friend Andrew, who runs Tabletop Admiral. So that's like a, the, the best listing software for, in nice. my opinion, Armada and now Legion. So he, he runs that website. So got to plug that. But he, he makes a mean margarita. Oh, that's even better. Hold on. Let's talk mm -hmm. about this, because I've been looking for sure. a good uh, Legion list builder. Uh, so, ah, so yeah. let's plug this. Talk to me a little bit about this awesomeness. Yeah, tabletopadmiral.com slash legion, I believe, is, is the link. If you, if you just search for Tabletop Admiral, uh, he's got Legion. He's got Rune Wars for, you know, that's super popular still, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And then he's got... Uh, He's also got Armada. He was going to build an X-Wing one, but he was like, there's just too many of them out there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Plus, it sounds like uh, most of those are going to be going the way of the Dodo, given the yeah. announcement for X-Wing version 2. That's right, man. That's right. Because for those, okay, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, um, this week has been a big Star Wars week. I mean, given it was May the 4th. But uh, FFG had this thing called the Hyperspace Report, I believe. Was that what it's called? 
Yeah, that's what they called it. It was the future of Star Wars games, although they only talked about one. Yeah, but man, they dropped a bomb. Now, a lot of people knew yeah. it was coming, so it wasn't like the giant surprise of the century. But for those who haven't been watching social, me- uh, social media, it, so- it sounds like FFG wanted to mine the salt mines of Kessel. They really needed some salt, so they announced uh, you know, X-Wing version 2. And half of the community seems to be overjoyed at the news. The other half is weeping fanboy tears like I can't even <laughs> describe. It's like it's like eighth edition 40K all over again. Yeah, there's been some uh, been a lot of salt out there. But, you know, I, I'll say for myself and I'd be curious to hear where you're at. Mm. My X-Wing stuff has been sitting on the shelf for two years or so yeah. I, I probably haven't bought anything since wave eight and part of that is I, I thought the game was so complicated now like there was just so many cards to keep up with and stuff so i for one welcome our new version two overlords amen I'm really excited about it yeah on one hand so uh, the way this ffg's rolling this out is we're going to get a new core game uh but people are saying how does that work with people who have massive collections like steve and i right. um right. they they are putting out conversion kits um, now, there's going to be one conversion kit per faction. Um, now, given the, the, the breadth and the depth of the collection of models that are currently available for X-Wing, you literally just could not do a conversion kit for everything, especially given how many ships people own. Like, oh, I've got eight TIE Fighters. Um, well, right. you're not going to buy eight Imperial sets. Now, each of those conversion kits comes with multiples of ships. And it seems to be somewhat strange numbers, like two TIE Defenders in the Imperial set, but like three of something else. Um, so it's somewhat weird, but you get new cards um, to represent the ships you already have. Um, the new core game does have new movement templates, but supposedly they're the same shape-ish of the old ones uh, and size. Um, that I've heard conflicting reports about. The dice is the same, so you don't have to go out and buy new dice, or if you have, you know, funky FFG event dice, you're, you're solid. Um, right. But they've really, one of, I mean, the thing that needed to happen, as Steve was talking about, was uh, X-Wing had massive card bloat. There was just cards coming out of the yin-yang, um, because they use cards to fix ships. They, they would have, so if you bought a ship, you'd get a ship with four or five, whatever, um, cards pilot cards for each ship and so people would say okay i'm gonna play han solo in the millennium falcon as a or you could play chewbacca in the millennium falcon or ray in the millennium falcon um and each one of those had a different point value and had different abilities um but the ship itself was basically the same well the problem was um when ffg went to fix those ships if something you know, and they were proactive about trying to level ships um, to make sure that things that maybe slipped back power-wise were brought up to speed so, you know, ships weren't dead on people's shelves. Um, and in the process, they'd give you a card that would give you negative points to the value of that ship. So you'd take away points, and then you could add other cards to upgrade them. Um, right, but but that would be added in a much later release. Yes. So it just, it got... Even for me, who I'm usually pretty good at keeping up with those games, like I'm like, okay, I haven't played X-Wing in just like six months, but yeah. what is what do I need to buy? You know, suddenly tie advanced to have all these cards that mm-hmm. came out in a big ship upgrade that's $100. Like, it's a good model, and I think it works for the business model they have yeah. and for the structure they've established for the game, but it's also, frankly, a pain in the ass. Like, Amen. To, just so many cards. I mean, I have hundreds of those little tiny X-Wing cards. Yes. And, you know, 
I mean, thankfully we have list builders to kind of help manage that, but it's still, you know, I like to be pretty official and own all the cards and everything, which Mm -hmm. I've turned over a new leaf in gaming, I think, you know, in the last couple of years and and months. So I'm going to stress about that a lot less than I used to, but you know, I like to have everything official. So it it just became a nightmare to manage. It did. And I think the, well, I think the new app is going to really help that out because they're actually taking the point values off of the cards. Um, so the new cards have no point values whatsoever. Now you might say, well, how do you keep track of how many points each ship is? Uh, well, they're doing that by putting all of the points on the list building app that they are making through FFG. And so if they believe a ship needs to be, you know, is too powerful and they need to raise the points or is too weak and they need to lower the points, which given that it's a new edition of the game and they're changing a lot of profiles of ships and abilities of pilots, they're probably going to have to do, um, they can just click a button and the list builder will say, you know, new point values have been added today. And all of a sudden, it will go up or go down on that ship. You don't have to buy new cards. The app is supposedly going to be free. um, And it's just a really nice way, in my mind, of managing just the wall of cards slash abilities slash ships that are out there. Um, so yeah, go yeah. Ahead. So, so back when I played Flames of War, a good friend and I were hy- hypothesizing exactly mm-hmm. this because you know we we came to the idea that if you think about the way points based games are balanced, there's some formula, right? The, right? the game developer comes up with some formula, and then they, you know, I, I know from you know seeing how the sausage is made in a couple of instances, mm-hmm. then they sort of apply their gut to it. So they might say, hey, you know, a Sherman tank is coming out costing a hundred points, but mm-hmm. but we think that it's actually just a little more efficient than the points give it credit for. So we're rounding it up. We're going to make it 110. So there's sort of a little bit of art and a little bit of science to it. Um, But the problem is with a points-based game is the formula doesn't account for everything, right? There's just, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of other factors that don't get factored into the formula. And a lot of those things are emergent as the game goes on or as, Mm -hmm. you know, clever players get their hands on it. And so it makes it very difficult for game designers to react to it. And so competitive games always, always, always suffer from that problem where certain units are just cost in a sweet spot and some aren't. And it's, you know, it's challenging to communicate that, right? Because Mm -hmm. you have a lot of but i'm gonna you know this may be a little bit mean but i don't mean it that way you have a lot of kind of amateur players and then you have a lot of guys like frankly like us Mm -hmm. who like digest a rule set and then you know eat drink and sleep a rule set for weeks and weeks and weeks and typically hone in and you know i'm not saying we're the best players in the world but we're we're you know, we're, we're voracious. And so when, when you try to then communicate that to game designers, everyone else has an opinion that's of equal weight. And so, you know, it, it, the data doesn't bear it out. And, and, you know, in my day job, I'm a data guy. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. Data all day, every day. So when I heard about this app approach, I thought there's a couple of things you could do here. Number one, being able to tweak it based on actual data. And if they tie in the tournament results and tournament management into that software, they can have hard fact-based data that's not anecdotes on forums. Mm -hmm. They can see exactly, hey, holy crap, tie defenders with, you know, this whatever canon upgrade is dominating it's what we're seeing across the board so let's bump the price just a little bit right absolutely but then what you can really do if you really track that data and you can tie in both squad building and uh um 
results is you can start doing machine learning. You could apply artificial intelligence to that to start to look for the connections and build the formula in a way that a human can't. You know, once you have a large enough data set, you could almost automate the cost of things. Absolutely. So, so I'm pretty excited for where that's going. Yeah, I am as well. And a guy, I'm a guy who does love to get down into the nitty gritty of points and values, and you know, talk about not necessarily the efficiency of things, but you know, that is part as a war gamer, you look for the efficiencies, whether or not you necessarily you know throw the most efficient things in your list or not. It's still one of those things that I see the first time. Do I think this is quote unquote broken? Do I think this is you know a good deal? Um, is this you know? It's just what we do. Um, one of the things I really like about this is standard tournament or standard games of X-Wing are, are going to go from 100 points to 200 points. Now, if you are up on your X-Wing, you might think, well, does that mean I get twice as many ships on the board? That would clutter things up if, you know, to an otherwise really tight game. Uh, no, because everything's going up in points. What they're doing is they're essentially doubling the points of everything. But it'll, it gets rid of the half points because there were some abilities that halved the points of certain things. Again, it's getting back to getting rid of those cards that, you know, lowered the points or halved the points or did this, that, and the other thing. You ended up with, like, weird decimals, which for a game, a war game, you know, that involves all kinds of people, some of them being young children, yeah, get rid of that. Um, but it also allows for more variability um, between points, all of a sudden you you have another gradient between, you know, between seventy eight and seventy nine points. If you double that, all of a sudden there is a new point you can go between those two. If that makes hmm. sense. So I yeah. actually missed that bit of news. That's awesome. But yeah, that makes sense. They're just adding more grain. Right? Exactly. It's getting more, a little bit more granular. It's interesting. You know, Flames of War did the opposite, right? I played Flames of War mm-hmm. for years, but really nothing was cost anywhere between one and five. Like the, the, the cheapest an upgrade was, was five points. And then everything was multiples of five. So it's like, you know, in a 2000 point game, this might as well be 400 points. And I think they, they finally kind of did less, the, the less granular approach, but that makes a lot of sense when you, when you're tweaking a ship with little upgrades and stuff. I, I, I love that. I, I actually didn't know that. That's cool. Um, I actually missed that as well, but I got that from, so I, I do love listening to podcasts and I listen to a lot of podcasts for a lot of games, many of whom I don't play. And I do enjoy a game of X-Wing, um, although I'm the guy most likely to be flying my TIE fighter, for example, into a rock or off a board. Like, I don't claim to be good. In fact, I claim to be the opposite of good. But there is a podcast that I listen to religiously. It is called Hell of a Pilot. And those guys are just great dudes. Um, you know, they, they spend every show, there's a big chunk of their show where they just talk Star Wars lore. Um, they do a really fun fake news report um, by, you know, a war timey. Hey, and now it's time to listen to kind of. Oh, um, yeah, the, the transatlantic. Yes, except the, the, they the, do. The transatlantic accent. Well, let's find out what our boys and white are up to. Exactly, except it's Star Wars, <laughs> and they do it at the beginning That's of awesome. every episode. It's awesome, and those dudes are awesome. But Hell of a Pilot did an, a quote-unquote emergency episode uh, after version 2 dropped. And I was, I was flipping through some things. I was reading some of the FFG fluff and reading what some people were posting and thinking, yeah, look, this sounds good. But I really liked how they looked at the whole second edition situation um, 
I guess in a positive manner, but in a realistic manner. They looked at the, the pros and the cons. So if you haven't, if you want to know more about the new X-Wing that's coming, and I mean, we do say in this podcast that this podcast is about big, you know, big events in the gaming industry. X-Wing is maybe the biggest I'm not sure if it still is because there's been drop off, but it has been for years the largest tabletop war game there is full stop. And so the fact that we are getting a second edition, regardless of whether or not you play the game, there will be ripples that that, you know, we feel in other game systems. When Warhammer 40,000, people started hemorrhaging off of that game uh, or Flames of War or you name other games that have gone through edition switches and people leave, they come to games like Bolt Action. They come to games like Star Wars Legion. I mean, no matter what game you play, the fact that we're getting a new X-Wing edition means we're probably going to be seeing some players from other game systems slash metas coming in and it will have cultural repercussions for everyone. So it is important to know that that is coming. Um, and a lot of people are selling their X-Wing collections, although I don't think anyone's put lit their collection on fire yet, which was the, uh, oh, the yeah, fantasy was battle ugly. one. Yeah. Right. That was nasty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I'm, you know, I think like you, I'm, I'm not very good at X-Wing. And so I don't have really any intention of playing it competitively or anything. Mm. But, you know, I, I tend to play at home with with kind of the boys and, and I have a extensive X-Wing collection. So I'm Ditto. I'm actually really looking forward to putting that back on the table. So I, I plan to um, you were talking earlier about the kind of strange numbers that are mm-hmm. in the conversion kit. What I actually think I'm going to do is kind of uh, sell everything in excess of those conversion kit numbers. That's and a then idea. just so, yeah, yeah, I have like probably four tie defenders. And if the conversion kit comes with two, then I'm going to sell half of them and, and just like sell down to what comes in the kit, which is pretty manageable anyways. Right. I have a stupid amount of X. I, I think yeah. I literally have 17 or 18 tie fighters. Like, why do I need that? <laughs> well, because that that heroes of the aturi cluster was so 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 good but yeah oh and it is i'm i'm hoping that somebody ports that over to second edition when it when it drops um which i'm assuming they will because that was such a great expansion um would you like to tell people because i know that some people have talked about that on forums and other people don't know what it is who don't play x-wing so before you do uh just really quick X-Wing's typically a game that people think about is a tournament game. I only play this as a tournament game. And it's, I have 100 points and I make the list to kill because every time you go to an event in every game, it's a dogfight to the death. And you win by killing more of your opponent's ships than they kill of yours. Well, there's another side to X-Wing, and that's the X-Wing that I like. Now, I do enjoy a good casual tournament where people are playing and having a good time. Um, It is a nice experience for me every now and again. But it isn't the X-Wing that I necessarily like to play. Now, what Steve's about to describe is, in my mind, perfection for that game. So talk to us, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Aturi Cluster was something, and I wish I could remember the guy's names. I, I, I guess you'd have to Google it and, and, and pop a link or something. But some uh, a group of gamer buddies kind of put together a cooperative campaign for... Uh, for X-Wing, where, whereby you can fly with between two and six pilots, mm-hmm. and you're up against uh, kind of the way you see it in the movies. You're up against kind of a, a horde of TIE fighters and some other stuff, um, and there's there's 
these cards that drive their AI. So they essentially have a, you know, if this, then this kind of approach to things mm-hmm. where the TIE fighters will make pretty smart decisions. And then there's some variability as well. So, you know, they'll find, Hey, what's my closest target within range. And then I roll a die to see kind of what subset of maneuvers I do. And, and they wind up being pretty intelligent, you know, not as intelligent as if they're driven by a human opponent, but they make up for that with numbers. Right. Um, and so then, so, so you play through a series of, of missions that are really great kind of narrative story and you know you're in the aturi cluster and there's a star destroyer lurking about and you're making these little hit and runs against uh, imperial installations and so on and so forth and it's this uh just fantastic little um little story that unfolds and as it does you know your pilots i think in the beginning you're in either an x-wing or a y-wing period mm-hmm. And as you fly, you gain experience and you then spin that experience to buy upgrade cards and you eventually can completely break the game because essentially you level up. Your, your pilot mm-hmm. skill starts at two and goes up to nine. Every time it goes up, you can get a new elite pilot talent or a new uh, upgrade. So, you know, by, by the end of the game, your X-Wing has, you know, uh, the boosted engines and it can do barrel rolls and you've got the veteran instincts and you've just got all you've got like, you know, 15 cards that stack up to make you a murder machine. Yeah. And it's it's a complete blast. And because it's cooperative, it's just the perfect thing to do over a weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get the dudes together. Let's let's have some beers and just play. You know, we played the Shadows of the Empire soundtrack and it was burned into my brain. We played for like 14 hours one day. Uh, it. It's just a fantastic approach to X-Wing. And I think we're on the same page there. That, that That's the way I really like to play X-Wing. Uh, again, like you, not that I don't enjoy a good head-to-head game, but mm. man, it, it just adds something real to the game with that. It's so awesome. Well, I mean, you and I both approach gaming, and I know this from having listened to you on podcasts for a long time, um, that you and I both approach gaming from, uh, we enjoy it, we do enjoy the competition of it, and we do enjoy right. it, a good tight game, but you and I both like the social atmosphere and this just, right. you know, what a good time with your friends brings to, I mean, that, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. You know, I, I want to have, have a good time with some friends. I don't want to come to arguments, as you may, with people you don't really know very Amen. well in, in tournaments and stuff like that. I just I, – I deal with enough stress in my job. You know, there's enough in my life that I don't need – I think one of the things I used to always say on Instance 5 Forward Firepower, and, and many people told me this resonated with them, is that I do not derive any self-esteem from my performance in a tabletop game. Yeah. Like, I've got a real life, and if I get my butt kicked or I don't, I really walk away feeling like the same me. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I don't need to crush people in games to have a good time, yeah. and I don't need to get all bent out of shape about stuff. So I do still like tournaments. That's very true. You know, th- th- they're just a good opportunity to have a day of gaming and a nice escape. And I do enjoy the competition, but uh, I do kind of compartmentalize it just a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I definitely do the same thing. I've um, the last couple of weeks, I've really enjoyed and I've talked about this on a few other podcasts, but I'm going to talk about it on this one. I got together with a couple of friends who have wanted to learn bolt action um, slash have been, you know, have been painting up new armies or trying new armies that they're established bolt action players. And we've just been playing. um mirrored matches where uh, not necessarily the same army against one another, but they're matching. So, you know, Eastern mm-hmm. Front Russians versus Eastern Front Germans in a Eastern Front village, uh, for example. Or we did play a what-if uh, battle of what what if would happen if uh, the fall of Berlin, if the Battle of Berlin kept going. And so it was... 
uh, veteran Canadians um, running into Berlin and fighting against an IS-3 having late war Soviet army um, Mm -hmm. against a King Tiger having... Uh, last levy German army, and it was on this beautiful board uh, that we built. Uh, well, not we, cool. my friend Nick had built, and he's still building. Um, I've shown pictures, and I'm going to show more as he finishes it. But it was just awesome. We had some beers, we sat down, we played the game. Um, no rush, just played through, talked through what we were doing, had a blast, a lot of jokes, and that's for me. That's the joy of war gaming. Yeah, that's the best. And, and, you know, one of the ways I used to really enjoy Flames of War um, is, uh, like you, I had an extensive collection. And so, you know, part of the fun of wargaming is list building, right? Making lists is fun. And so what I would do is I would actually come up with six, or if I was feeling really industrious, maybe 10 or even 12, something I could roll on Mm -hmm. a Dungeons & Dragons die. (laughs) I would come up with opposing lists that were fairly matched. It would be a fun game. Just Mm -hmm. like you, I would say, hey, I've got Desert Flames of War, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a British versus German and I'm going to do an American versus German and Tunisia. Those are options one and two. And then I would just kind of build out the thing. And then my friends would come over and say, hey, roll a die. That'll determine what we're going to play. I've already mm-hmm. built the lists. And then roll another die. That'll determine who's which side. So that I couldn't game it. Like I, exactly. I just wanted to see cool stuff on the board and say, hey, let's let's just try something something out that makes sense. So it was always historically accurate. It was always red versus blue. Yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we've been messing around with is the idea of, uh, well, I guess it's, it's similar. It's uh, my opponent has these armies that they're building up. Um, as I said, you know, they're either trying out the game or they're trying new armies. And so they're really wanting to kick the tires. Um, so I turn to them and say, look, we're playing a game. I've got 10 painted bolt action armies. Which one do you want to face? Um, mm-hmm. And I give them some options. And every game that we played, they've said, oh, no, no, I want to play the one that matches this army. Uh, and it's great. And, you know, I say, well, do you want to face, you know, I was, I was talking about the big King Tiger versus IS-3 battle, but that happened because uh, Nick and I were talking and we were saying, well, do you want, uh, I, th- I thought we were going to play the more historical match of the I or so the SU-152 versus the King Tiger. And then, you know, he was talking about, you know, how ridiculous the points were. And I said, yeah, if you think that's bad, hold my beer. Here's the IS-3, <laughs> um, which is the most expensive tank in the game. And he went, oh, that's sure. awesome. And I went, you know, I've never actually put that on a tabletop. And he went, oh, dude, bring it on. Let's do this. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And I, I think I think that that jives with also my approach to, to gaming in general, too. And that um, you know, this gets into kind of a. a, a a belief I have that was challenged the other day is someone someone on some Legion forum posted some pictures they had painted and their you know, their stormtroopers are all green and their you know, their ATST was camouflaged of that and that's fine. Obviously people can do what they want, but I was like, Why why is that bothering me? Like why do yeah. I look at that and think, Ugh, I'd hate to see that on the table and I realize it's cause, you know, part of the whole reason we even play miniature games is to have a cool thematic experience that that makes you reminiscent of something or Mm -hmm. for me looks like something historically plausible. It doesn't necessarily have to be historically accurate. Like frankly, an IS three in Berlin against some holdout troops, that's, you know, something like that's very plausible. And, and, um, so I don't know. I mean, that's just me. Obviously everyone else has different opinions and I won't knock that, but you know, I, I, to me, that's half the fun is, is kind of playing through some hypothetical what ifs. Agreed. I could not agree more. And if it's one thing we've learned from uh, all of those years of Star Wars podcasting, it's simply this. 
that Star Wars is the most historical of games. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it goes way back. <laughs> That's right. To a galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago. But, you know, that's yeah. another whole story entirely. All right. Now, I, I know I, am, I, I hear the Internet screaming at me in the background. And I know I've mentioned to a couple of people that I was having you on today. And everyone wants me to talk about this. So I don't know if we need to necessarily beleaguer the point or beat it to death. But I think you and I need to talk history lessons for just a minute. Now, I'm going sure. to set you up. I'll toss you the softball, and I'll let you knock it out of the park. So, All right. Let's do it. Okay. A long time ago, um, I ran a very small – I mean, it was a group of us, but I did the tech for a very, uh, very small podcast in Australia called the LRDG. And we did our first – I want to say nine episodes, um, and it was fairly <laughs> – Low budget um, and low sound quality and really poorly hosted that people had a hard time downloading it. And I had a long conversation with a gentleman named Judson who ran uh, the big U.S., uh, I guess, Bolt Action podcast, Bolt Action Radio, he and Dano. And um, Judson and I talked for a series of weeks, if not months, and um, eventually uh, Judson and I got together and we, we merged our cast, not necessarily the podcast. They remained independent of one another. But um, Judson invited me to his podcast network. And with that, the LRDG's, um, I guess, credibility, if, that, if we ever had any, um, slash um, production quality jumped up overnight because all of a sudden we were part of a legitimate network um, of gaming awesomeness that had a ton of podcasts had almost daily if not multiple articles daily put out on a huge variety of gaming systems um and that of course was wwpd um now wwpd ran for years and years um and gave us awesome hobby content i mean i checked it literally every morning to see ooh, okay what am i reading today um, I became a, a regular contributing author to that website, um, wrote tons of bolt action articles slash other games, um, and it was just, it was always great. But like all good things, um, they have their time and their place, and um, unfortunately the sun did set on the WWPD empire. But I do believe that I, I would be remiss of having you on today if I didn't actually thank you, because... Correct me if I'm wrong. You were the man behind the, the behind the curtain. You were the 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 wizard behind Oz. Am, am I? Without you, there would be no WWPD. Now I know it yeah, is a that, collective, but you were you were the man. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, well, you're very welcome, and thank you for saying so. That, that's very sweet of you. And um, yeah, yeah, it it was born of uh, a personal blog that I started, and uh, that was I think. Um, 07 when I started the personal blog. In fact, mm -hmm. I think the link to that personal blog still takes you to the WWPD website and it just kind of kept growing and growing. And, and I, I guess if anyone's interested, I'll give you the, the quick, uh, reader's digest history. Please. And so, um, the way it went down is I was getting, you know, I, I was pretty big into the Flames of War community, uh, loved, you know, traveling for all the tournament stuff. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I did. This was before I had a kid. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think even before I was married. So like, all, you know, had a lot more free time. Yeah. And um, 
I used to be in a band. So I actually put off college for a couple of years because I was in a touring band. We had a record label and everything, which was pretty fun. But uh, right around the time that we sort of decided, OK, we're all getting to be too busy and we're too grown up and we need to make real money. So we can't really do this anymore. I owned all the recording equipment. And I was like, man. It'd be kind of fun to do this newfangled podcast thing. Mm-hmm. And so I started a podcast with a couple of buddies. And that's really where it started. You know, we, we posted our podcast on the Flames of War website. And I think it was maybe the first of its kind for, for a war game. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, this was maybe 07. Um, maybe it was a little later than that. I don't know. I'm terrible with remembering dates, but it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, and and from there, we just it, we ballooned it. You know, we, we, we were writing tons of content. I wrote some software for doing battle reports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's long since out of date now, but at the time, it was a really fun little tool that you could plug in information for a battle report, and it would kind of nicely format it and everything for you. Um, and, and yeah, uh, you know, we, we got hooked up with a couple of guys with, with a lot of energy here in town. Luke Melia and, and mm-hmm. John Baber really, really helped add some uh, – John really on the on the maturity side because he's, uh, he's basically a project manager. So he was very good slash annoying about keeping you on task. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Luke just has a lot, of, a lot of energy that's infectious. And so the three of us kind of really just drove that thing and treated it like a second business. I mean we had so much rigor around it. We had mm-hmm. – um, all kinds of policies and procedures in place and everything. And, and, and that was half the fun. And it, it was a blast. Um, and then, you know, I, I moved to New Zealand for a little while and, mm-hmm. and came back. And, and after coming back, it was kind of never quite the same. And that's frankly because my kid was starting to grow up and my job was becoming much more intense. You know, I went from uh, being a lowly kind of IT developer to managing people and managing, you know, sales cycles and stuff and, and overseeing, you know, project deliverables and stuff like that, which just gets, gets a lot more busy. And then you sort of, with your day job, you kind of don't want to come home and then do the same thing. So, so my um, involvement in WWPD kind of for the last year, maybe even last two years was really behind the scenes. I was still editing and kind of keeping the lights on everything, but my, my, um, passion around kind of keeping up with all of it had kind of waned. Um, and, and so finally we all just decided, you know, Hey, let, let's not let this languish and let it like go out with a whimper. Let's, let's end it on our terms. we had always said, mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to end it when it stops being fun. And not, not that I want to be out of that community or anything like that. It's just, this is starting to feel a little too much like work. And, and so, you know, it, the, some of the final conversations we had about it were, do we hand it off to someone? In fact, you were brought up of course, numerous times of, Hey, Brad is, you know, still rocking and rolling on this thing. And, and maybe we, we hand it over, but we just decided, you know what, it was kind of our thing. Let's 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 have it born and die under, you know, our own terms, and and we can feel good about that. You know, I, I can look back at that time and be very proud of what we did. Oh man, you should be. And I have to, again, I have to thank you for letting a group of uh, really expletive heavy uh, misfits in uh, under your lovely umbrella in the rain, uh, <laughs> in the form of the LRDG, because. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Our episodes got the entire network kicked off of iTunes <laughs> twice. Twice, yeah, yeah, that's right. And we one called of the, you guys the surly Aussies. Yeah, you know, well, wasn't always entirely accurate, but oh god! At one point, I don't even know if it was the ex- expletives that literally got us kicked off. I think it was Lachlan describing the taste of prostate um, in in explicit <laughs> detail, and it was like. <laughs> Oh, how does this work in a World War II podcast? Uh, Yeah. Well, he is the mouth of madness. Yeah, he's a mouth of madness. (laughs) That's awesome. 
Yeah. Uh, here, here's a funny story for you, and hopefully Judson won't mind me sharing this with mm. you. Um, Judson and I are friends because he emailed me episode four or something of the WWPD podcast. Uh, my friend Sean went off on a little bit of a rant, mm. which is very tame by uh, the LRDG standards. <laughs> and Judson actually emailed me complaining about it. He actually was like, hey, I have a kid in the car. You know, what do you guys you guys really shouldn't? I mean, it, awesome. I don't know. I amp it up now to make fun of him, because if you know Judson, <laughs> And that's that's just not him at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that got us, you know, I, I thanked him. I, it was it was a very thoughtful email. It wasn't yeah. you know, he wasn't like frothing or anything. It was very thoughtful. And, and it, he sort of said, hey, you should consider the fact that you don't know who all is going to be listening to this. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want to offend people. And that 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 got us talking. And so now we're friends. But but every time I think about the way I met Judson, I think, God, you would no one would ever guess that if they know Judd. Yeah, <laughs> he's just not that guy. <laughs> well, if you listen to the IFF podcast, I mean, he's literally drunk Tarkin. Um, that was. Yeah. His yeah, moniker, and you just look at him and you go, "Oh my God, the things you've said on a podcast—that's funny. I didn't know that story. That's excellent." Yep. Um, yep. Judson, Judson came up to uh, when my wife and I got married. He actually drove up um, and was at the wedding, and is one of those things where you know you you talk to somebody because Judson and I talked. I mean, until we were blue in the face on Skype, and we didn't record most. I mean, it was just we were talking about. Um, boltaction.net, um, you know, in the early days, setting everything up, talking about long-term goals, what we were doing, um, podcast guests, what, you know, content, um, what's going on in, in the gaming issue, what we were interested in. Um, we, I think, uh, my wife said that he was my online boyfriend for a long time. Um, <laughs> and so he actually showed up at the wedding, um, uh, which was amazing to have him, but it was hilarious because, um, my wife looked at me and said, I didn't realize he was so tall. And um, oh, yeah, because if you haven't met Judd, he's like he's like twice my height and I'm six feet tall. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Sasquatch. Um, and to see the because for those who also don't know, the LRDG guys, I'm the short one in that. And I'm easy six foot. And I'm I stand next to those guys, um, you know, Warlord Tobu, Dave of War and Lachlan. They're monsters. Like all of them <laughs> are like man mountains. And I'm standing, you know, whenever we take pictures, um, People, you know, I've there's countless pictures online of us together. And then I met a couple of people a couple of years ago and they looked at me and went, and this was back when the LRDG was more of a thing. Um, well, when it was a thing, but they were like, oh, I thought you were shorter because everyone always <laughs> says, oh, you know, the big line in movie. I thought you were taller. Um, but they look at me and go, because in the pictures, you're small. And I was like, no, they're big. <laughs> Um, but it's a scale That's thing. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. All right. Well, you know, we keep tiptoeing around the outside of star Wars Armada. You and I both having done that podcast for so long. Um, now you were a religious, uh, Armada player forever. Um, you had Twitch streams. Of course you had the IFF podcast. Um, and man, you were just all over the, uh, the uh, sorry, the FFG forums, you know, like a bad suit. I mean, it was you were all over the place. Um, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, from an outsider's perspective that you're you, you cooled off on the game a fair bit. Um, but I'm assuming you still mess around with it. Would you like to talk to us a little bit about where where's Armada in your mind? Because I played a game recently. And it's, it's just a ton of fun. But again, I'm playing casually. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. Um, 
like you said, I, I dove fully into Armada, fully mm. immersed for, you know, since the day it was released up mm-hmm. until uh, the day I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. Yeah. Um, and, and I can tell you exactly what happened. It was that that release that added the flotillas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Judson was actually the first to identify. He was like, hey, this actually kind of sucks for the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, very quickly, you saw the competitive meta get incredibly stale. As a result of those, and frankly, I think this goes right back to the conversation we had previously, which is Mm -hmm. it's a points-based game and things are hard to predict sometimes. And so the game just sucked. It got to the point where this this space combat game that I envision as ships pummeling each other Mm -hmm. was, in fact, this very, frankly, physically frustrating game of squadrons. Um, and I say physically frustrated because they're they're so precise. You know, yeah. squadrons which should be zipping all around the board were this very precise, like constant um, triangulation of of figuring out which auras are overlapping and who's within range one of this, but I'm within range one of that and within range one of this, mm-hmm. so that it does these things, and and then trying to use that movement to- tool and you're like knocking things to the side. It just became this very cluttered game that that didn't feel like space combat anymore. Anymore because you've got these, you know, tran- these unarmed transports pushing fighters around, and maybe you'll see one or two combat ships. And I'm like, this is a game about fleet battles, right? Because right. it doesn't feel like that anymore. Um, and so, so that happened, and the meta, in my opinion, just became ridiculously stale. Um, and that happened right around, I guess, the time that the campaign came out, which, which I think the mm-hmm. campaign had a ton of promise and then on the actual table, it just kind of fell short. I think it was a great effort, but Mm. um, so I think all these things just sort of left kind of a dissatisfaction with Armada. And, and, you know, to be quite honest, there were a lot of people who noticed these issues and were, were very eloquently articulating them. And and it felt like it was just fallen on, on deaf ears. And, you know, um, you you look now that they literally just released an FAQ and it's yep. every single change that was being asked for a year ago by some very knowledgeable players. You know, mm-hmm. one of my good friends, Eric Reha, essentially, you know, ran some numbers. I mean, he put math to it and, and articulated why these things should change and had these eloquent posts. And then, of course, you know, as I was saying earlier, someone can counter. Well, not in my area. It's like, well, that doesn't carry equal weight. I'm no, sorry. It but but it felt like the game was frankly kind of abandoned by FFG, and I don't know what their development cycle looks like or anything like that. But um, I think the proof's in the pudding even right now, right? Yeah. They they had their newest wave some time ago, and there's nothing new that's even been announced. No. Um, yeah. So so the the FAQ that came out, I have not played Armada now in probably ten months, and the FAQ that came out did make me for a brief moment think, man, I should put that back on the table. But for me, it's a day late and a dollar short because Legion yeah. dropped. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, so do you think that the, because one of the FAQs um, that they did put in there, just to address something you were talking about earlier, was that you can have no more than two flotilla ships, two transports, right. the unarmed transports in your um, fleet. So you have to have, you know, armed vessels. You you can't just have a wave of unarmed transports pushing fighters around anymore. Um, right. Do you think that yeah, but- actually, because I know there was a lot of people who came up with some very interesting and intricate and some very otherwise elegant slash simple uh, solves to the flotilla problem. But that seems like a very simple one. Do you think that that does what it was needed to do? I know it's late, but 
Yeah. Well, I, I haven't played since the FAQ, but as I read it, I thought, you know, all of these things feel like they do maybe go far enough to to address, I think, what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but but having now played Legion, I still think there's a significant amount of, um, like I said, that physically frustrating part of the game, which is the squadron game. And, and I, I, I draw the comparison to Legion because Legion is so much more fun to play on the board. Mm-hmm. Like moving a troop, moving a unit of troops is so easy. You move one dude and then everyone else kind of files him behind him. Right. Um, and so you wind up leaving a game of Legion without your brain being tired because mm-hmm. there's just so much tracking of auras and stuff like that. So um, I think I could revisit Armada, but I think, I think competitively it's out for me. And actually me and like I said, Andrew, who does tabletop admin, we're talking about how, how it would be a lot of fun to play Armada, but completely don't allow any of the named squadrons. Cause I, I personally think it's the heap of squadrons and heap of, of options and yeah. the permutations and the combinations of squadrons that really add to the most complexity of the game. Cause when you're flying ships and ships are shooting at other ships, that's damn fun. Yeah. But the squadron game, in my opinion is just minutia and boring and, and complex. Yeah, no, I can, I could not agree more. Um, most of the time that I've played Armada, it's been with the big ships um, because I've been playing with a lot of friends and we don't often have time to pull out all the fighters. And honestly, I hate putting unpainted models on the table and I just haven't yeah. had time to do what you've done, which is to hand paint all of those tiny, tiny, tiny little fighters that are like the size of, or actually the half the size of my pinky fingernail. And I'm just looking oh, at yeah, them going... Tiny. They're so small, and I'm thinking, sure, I don't need to go into the usual detail that I do with my other models, but it is me we're talking about here, and I'm you know, ridiculously slow. And so I look at these yeah. things going, ain't nobody got time for that, but apparently you no. do, because yours look great. Well, I've also very much lowered my own painting standards. I mean, even Legion, I was joking, like, man, if I would have shown these to myself five years ago, I'd be like, God, what are you doing? But, you know, for me, putting it on the table fully painted is more important. I got I got uh, two core sets and one of each expansion done for Legion in 14 days, which I was pretty happy with. That was a lot of stuff to get painted. Jesus, I barely assembled my Rebels in that amount of time. (laughs) Yeah, man, I was I was trucking, but I was taking every shortcut in the book, right? Like yeah. they don't hold up to close scrutiny, but hey, for a stream, for putting them on the table, they're they're totally fine. And that is a weird thing for me to say because I very much do value good painting and and mm-hmm. you know a- am capable of it at least to a certain extent. I, I I'm nowhere near your level. You're an amazing painter, oh, but I, I usually can can get good value out of my time for painting. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and man, I look at I mean, you say that I'm a good painter. I look at your Armada stuff because you did a lot of repaints you got some 3d printed ships um you got some resin you know non-licensed ships that i've seen floating around i've also seen you painting all this the little tiny ships the squadrons and we're talking about like the millennium falcon slave one not just x-wings and um tie fighters and tie defenders and all these things but god i look at them and go i can't paint that um and i am i was literally in awe of the stuff that you did and i constantly look at it going god i wish i could do that to the point where you got a set of um unlicensed armada um terrain that you can put on the board it's the same you know uh footprint on the board as the templates that come with the game mm-hmm. but had ship wreckage and um asteroids coming out and you literally painted the wreckage of the ships 
with the red hot outlines on the edges where they would have broken up. And I never would have thought to do that. But by doing that, it looks like it's a fresh battle. And it, it yeah. looked, it was such a sweet effect that I still have pictures of all of your stuff on my laptop because I'm going to paint mine to match yours someday. And I just look at it and go, I want to paint like Steve. So, oh, well, thank you. Those were a lot of fun to do. They had so much to an otherwise pretty flat battlefield, right? Our Armada doesn't use terrain, which is part of the draw, frankly. It's a lot mm -hmm. easier to set up and play. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Armada's mostly dead. It seems to me like Fantasy Flight is letting it kind of shadow die. That's kind of what they do, right? They just kind of stop announcing things for a game. I mean, you saw Rune Wars mm -hmm. kind of petered out. I, I suspect Armada is done. We may get another announcement. I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm actually a little bit interested to pick it back up and play. Uh, you know, yeah. we've been calling uh, playing at my house with friends. Uh, a friend of mine named Sean coined the term basement X. Like, hey, we're, we're just playing basement Legion here, right? We're just playing basement Armada. Nice. So I think I could get into playing some basement Armada, but I'm, I'll never, I think, play it competitively again. I think it's the flotillas and the squadron game. Frankly, I just don't want to go somewhere and pay money to then play that complex minutia game yeah well i'm looking at uh, a friend of the show uh, who's been on many times and who will be on again soon um our good friend marky mark um was talking about what he's looking forward to the most with well not the most but one of the things he's really into with legion is the idea of playing a game where you can link armada x-wing and Legion in maybe one narrative campaign um, or playing three games simultaneously and having there be effects on the tabletop. Um, I'm sure some fan is going to write that up if Mark doesn't. Um, and man, that that really gets my, my juices flowing. Just thinking about that just gets me excited. Just having that, you know, as you say, playing a basement game, except set up three or four tables, uh, go to the local, F you know, f friendly game store, set up three or four tables in a row and have different people playing different games and have them impact on one another. I mean, you can do that with the same game, but to have all of those games overlapping would just be a lot of fun. Oh, that'd be awesome. You could do Battle of Scarif. Um, yeah. We did that one time. We did a Battle of Indoor. And what we did is we had the board set up long ways, and the Rebels started on one short map, and the Empire started on the other. And the Rebels had to get through that blockade to the Death Star. And then mm -hmm. once we got to the Death Star, our friend Aaron actually drew up a sort of X-Wing map of the internals of the Death Star. And you had to navigate your ships through and get to the core. It was oh, it was awesome. awesome. It was so much fun. That is amazing. <laughs> That's like when the guys for, I think it was the Depticon, um, ooh, it may have been the one in uh, DC. Um, Nova, the Nova it's Open. Nova Open. I, I was there for that. So oh. yeah, they did the narrative campaign and it, they had the Superstar Destroyer. It yeah. was beautiful. God, you know, all this amazing. talk has me want to go break out my Armada stuff and get a game in soon. So maybe I will, but sorry. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm done with it competitively. And yeah. Legion has my heart right now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that, you know, someone rage quits and sells off their Armada stuff at some point, And I happen to be passing by at that point because I have yeah. I, like you and me. We both have a giant, <laughs> giant stack of X-Wing. You have more than me. I have a lot. Um you also have more than me in Armada. I also have a lot. Um, and there's just a few ships that I'd like, I'd really like to get that, but I'm not playing retail. Um, because yeah. Only because if I played it regularly, I have no problem with that. But I play so rarely. But when I do, it would be nice if dot, dot, dot. Um, plus, I'm right. a completionist. Right. 
eh, it's that. I'm that nah, guy. I'm there. I actually never bought the last wave, so I don't have you know Admiral the Profundity, and I don't have Thrawn Star oh, Destroyer, and and I keep almost buying them just to be like, well, someday I'll probably play Armada again. But then I'm like, nah, I haven't played it in like ten months, so exactly. I can't really justify it. But um, yeah. same with X-wing. I, I keep. In fact, now that they had that announcement, I thought about buying up to, you know, the waves I'm missing mm-hmm. up to the conversion kit. So I'm just ready for it. And then I put it all together. I was like, that's a good investment right there. I think I'll hold yeah. off for a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to start by getting one of the conversion kits and playing again uh, casually. Uh, but there's a, there's a great local casual scene for X-Wing. So I'm, I'm looking cool. forward to playing some games. They play every Monday night um, religiously. And that's one of those games that you can actually get together with a mate, and because it's a much shorter um, duration game, you can, on a weeknight, get together, play a game, possibly two. Um, I can get home from work on a Monday, which is usually fairly late, have dinner, walk my dog, get to the shop, play a game, maybe two, come home, go to bed, and I won't be destroyed for the rest of the week. If I tried to do that with, like, Bolt Action or Armada even... Uh, or Legion, I mean, I just, I literally would die. I would not be able yeah. to cope for the rest of the week. I'm old. I need a good yep. a good night's sleep on Monday to make it to Friday. So Yep, us old men need our sleep, man. <laughs> that's it. But that said, before we quickly get to Legion, um, I did, yeah. I was having a rough week a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm actually going through some some tough times at work, but that that's not why I say that. I say that because... Um, uh, you know, I really needed a little pep me up and a little something to keep me going. And I've been talking about these awesome narrative games of bolt action I've been playing. But uh, my old buddy Dave Monroe, one of my regular gaming partners, um, he kind of moved away. He kind of moved back. He's constantly back and forth in and out of town. He's usually around on weeknights. And I've just, I'm so busy that I don't usually have time for a game. But um, we talked and we said, no, we're going to do this. It'll be great. And I was having an awful day. And I was going to pull out and say, nah, man, I, I can't do it. I'm wrecked. Um, you know, some really tough stuff happening at work, as I said, um, with one of my students. And was just thinking, man, like, I'm really bummed out about this situation. I really, you know, I really just need to recharge my batteries. And I thought, you know what? Do you know what's going to recharge my batteries? Getting together with a mate. And so mm-hmm. I know we've drawn comparisons on this podcast between the game Gaslands and X-Wing. There's quite a few, but we threw down, we threw down a mat. We threw on some, you know, some terrain. We pulled out some matchbox cars and we played some post-apocalyptic car battles using, you know, using the Gasland rules. And it was, I, you know, I literally laughed half of the game. It was amazing. Cars were flipping. Uh, you know, it, was, it came down to literally... Um, you know, he was Dave's car was going for the final pass to to win. He was, you know, literally inches from the finish line. Um, he captured my flag and was getting off the board. And he had one hit point left. And I got my car, which was dragging my, you know, his flag towards my table edge. And I diverted and fired my machine guns into the back of his car, blew up his gas tank. It flipped, <laughs> detonated, landed on top of another one of his cars which then was he was hoping to pick up his um, you know, flag with, made a mess. And then I just turned around and you know, drove off the board. And uh, it was just like, you know what? I needed that. Thank you. 
thank you dude, for that. Dude, I, th- I think gaming and, and the social aspect of it, and, and for, for many people, myself included, and you know, I'll, I'll just throw a shout out to my wife because she has really understood this since the, the, you know, the first time mm-hmm. I explained to her, this is what these little men are for. You know, she's really understood, and, and, and I've come to really understand how important it is, I think, for, for mental health. It's, it's really an escape. It uh, um, keeps your brain active on something that's fun and esoteric mm-hmm. and doesn't you know doesn't really matter so it's not very stressful and and that's you know kind of my approach but i i think you're right i think th- there's many a, a bad day that is made better with some gaming with friends it's it's incredible and and that's kind of how um we came to dungeons and dragons and i think we could talk a little bit about that yeah, later please. i think but well we can do it I, now I, if you want yeah all right cool yeah so you know part of the death knells for wwpd and part part of the main reason i was kind of really losing steam on is because um me and my wife and a, and a couple of friends here kind of really went kind of all in on Dungeons and Dragons, which I had played, you know, when I was a kid. Yeah. And then hadn't really played it for 15 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of got into it and, and got my wife into it because she was kind of interested. In, and, and it just within weeks, we sort of realized this is incredible. This is an incredible thing. Like, mm-hmm. not only is it a ton of fun, it's um, you know, for my for my wife, I think especially, she didn't have as many kind of social outlets. She's she's well, she's really an introvert, so she doesn't mm-hmm. like go out with friends or anything like that. And I think she kind of realized how much that was maybe missing in her life. So mm-hmm. now, you know, twice a week we get our friends together and we we play Dungeons and Dragons, and it gives us kind of something to focus on, and something to talk about during the week. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm just a, it, so amazed at at what it's done. Um, you know, for, for each of us personally and, and for our friendships and really even, frankly, for my wife and I's relationship to have like this whole other thing that we can share together. You know, I, I was telling us like, man, I, I don't think I've ever been happier than when like I come to bed and you're still up reading and you're like, hey, I was thinking about using a a, a rapier instead of a longsword for my cleric. I just mm-hmm. being like, well, that's the best thing. That's like the best my life's ever going to ever going to ever going to get right Exactly. Here. Right on. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, it's so good. And it, 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 it just comes down to, I mean, it really does come down to fun, having fun. Um, but just uh, my wife is not a gamer. Um, I, I, I People laugh and say, how did you possibly, like you two have, like there's some things that you guys are polar opposites on. And one of them is gaming. And she, I mean, she, my wife also gets that gaming's important to me and it's that escape and it's, it's, it's all about, I don't know, give, giving my ADHD brain something to do because I am an adult who literally has ADHD and my brain spins on a slightly different axis than it seems from a lot of people around me. And I, I need right. something to chew on during the day um, in the back of my mind. Otherwise, you know, I, I, I start to focus on things like work and heaven forbid that happens. Um, <laughs> right. It's Yeah. But uh, so my wife, though, has has tried several times, um, tried different games. Um, but she recently um, we have a group of friends who we get together with. And these are one of them's my old Warhammer fantasy buddy and another one's an old 40K buddy. Um, we don't play the same games really together anymore, but we're still great mates. And so um, we get together maybe once a month, uh, maybe every three weeks. I mean, one of them is, you know, they have a family of three, and so oh, you have three kids, I should say. So there's a lot of, you know, child management going on there, and they're all very small children. One of them's my goddaughter. Um, and so it, 
for them, they need that outlet of, you know, getting together. And so last night yep. um, we got together to continue. Um, it is not necessarily an organized campaign, but we get together and we play um, games. And the game we've been playing most is Mansions of Madness by uh, Fantasy oh, yeah. Flight Games. And yeah, it's just it's great. great. So last night we walked in, you know, we were summoned to a a mansion um, on the edge of town by an old friend who showed up and, you know, whispered, it's in the house. It's summoned by the noise. We don't know what to do. Help us. And you have to, you know, explore the mansion, find, uh, you know, meanwhile, extraterrestrial beings are pouring their way in through the walls. Um, you have to solve the mystery. And, you know, in the end, you, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but you, you summon the big boss and then you have to defeat it. Uh, and it was, but it's, it's all collaborative. And so my wife was involved. Um, my friend's wife was involved. So it was, you know, three dudes um, and two of our wives. And it was fantastic. Everyone was engaged. Mm -hmm. Everyone is having a great time. We all ate ourselves literally sick with snacks. Um, and it <laughs> was the fun of it. Oh, right? man. That's but it was fun. so good. And uh, my wife's like, so how much is that game again? And I was like, yep, there you go. Um, nice. There you go. Yeah, that Mansions of Madness was for us. Uh, I think we're in the same boat, right? Like my my mm -hmm. wife's not really a gamer, although she played X Wing once and smoked me. And <laughs> I, I, like literally, I wasn't going easy or anything. Just something about it. She just smoked me, and now I'm also like, well, let's play again. You did so well. She's like, well, I've, I've already proved myself, so I don't <laughs> need to. But she, she doesn't like competitive gaming. Um, yeah. So uh, so I think the same boat. Like yeah, Mansions of Madness was great. Other co op games that we get together and, and do mm -hmm. so. Just, just so fulfilling, you know? Amen. Amen to that. All right. So I've heard some people say that one edition of D&D &D is better than another edition of D&D, &D, which is better than another edition of D&D. &D. Are you playing D&D &D out of the box the way it exists now? Uh, yeah, we're playing fifth edition. Okay. Um, we, we've made a minor little house rules that we do that, that you know, we, we just think add a lot to the game I, I i don't i don't know how up to the rules you are so i, I can leave those off all, but if anyone's but... yeah if, if anyone's curious you can hit me up and ask and i'll tell you the, what little changes we've done but yeah we're, we're playing fifth edition and I, I think they've done a fantastic job um you know i i played uh i played advanced dungeons of dragons second edition and mm -hmm. third edition and then that's you know when i quit and hadn't played in years so i'd mm -hmm. never played fourth edition but I, I really do think for the most part fifth edition is really they, they nailed it it's it's just granular enough for guys like us to have something to chew on mm -hmm. you know there are you know you can get a little uh a little gamey with it which is part of what i enjoy like i like building a strong character and helping mm -hmm. others build strong characters too since it's cooperative uh you know thinking about how best to apply things um but they they leave so much room too for the, the role playing which is surprisingly really fun too you know w around our table you have to talk in character if you're gonna say something there's no third party you can't mm -hmm. say i tell the guy this it's like okay well let's hear you role play it which is half the fun too kind of that improv acting aspect yeah. of it oh um, that's awesome yeah I think fifth edition has really found a sweet spot it, it's just crunchy enough but also you can teach people pretty quick people can jump in yeah, there's been some really fantastic. I have friends that play a lot, and again, it's it's just like you, people who played other games for years and years, but played it as a kid, and then have sort of gone back to D and D. Um, and there's they they've all told me how many good um, sort of world building books um, slash campaign books slash I guess I don't I don't know the terminology uh, in D and D world, but sort of world building books that really mm -hmm. allow you to immerse yourself in different settings um, to play these games. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. We're running two of them, and, and one of them is my favorite. It's uh, it's set in the world of Barovia, which is sort of this Transylvania, you know, Eastern European, very grim and dark. And there's a vampire count that lords over the land, and it's just so so good and so rich and and incredible. It's, it's a blast. That's cool. Oh man, it, it reminds me of my uh, my childhood reading the Ravenloft books, and uh, it, that's what it is. It's Ravenloft. Yeah. I was gonna say, uh, I was, is it Ravenloft? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's Strahd, Strahd von Zarevich. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what we're playing on Sunday nights. We're streaming Strahd live. Oh, sweet. Now, if people want to hear this, how do they find your stream? Yeah, so uh, for the for the the D and D, we have a little group called Castle Mac. Mm-hmm. It's uh, obviously it's the the basement of uh, Chateau de McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And um, uh, so we stream Sunday nights and also Tuesday nights, uh, and you can find that at Twitch.tv/CastleMac. Now, is that something that you then back up so people can watch um, older episodes of uh, through maybe YouTube? Or is that something that's sort of fire and forget you watch on Twitch or you miss it? Nope. Yeah, we totally put them on YouTube. Uh, and that is uh, also Castle Mac on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Castle Mac D&D. We, we always post links there and there's there's links to everything kind of from, from right there. But yeah, we have um, YouTube channel. All of us are on Twitter and very engaged with people, so there's a lot of fun conversations. So if you want to come chat D&D, please hit us up. We have a Discord that we invite all the people watching to, to come join. So if you can tell, I, I kind of can't help but build things, right? So yeah. WWPD got sunset, and now here I am building something new. <laughs> and it's it's been a blast. Yeah, I think you and I um, are of a similar uh, mindset. Um, I've recently, someone asked me if I had a time turner um, from ha- the Harry Potter world as like, how do you podcast? And now you're talking, uh, like you're doing weekly podcasts and now you're talking about a video stream and I'm going, well, you know, shrug, it's what I do. Um, and I look at you and like what I do is sort of amateur hour and what you do is sort of like you create empires and I'm like, look, I built a farm. <laughs> um, but, uh, you yeah. know, I, I think I think probably again, like like you, I think I think we we both are very efficient. I, I, I'm yeah. just very good at being like, cool, I've got 15 minutes right now. And mm-hmm. whereas maybe some people might go, I don't know, watch YouTube videos or go watch TV. I'm like, there's a thing I need to get done and, and a task I want to accomplish. And mm-hmm. so I kind of like constantly fill in it's almost like pouring water into sand i I fill in the gaps with uh, with things i want to get done so uh, that's kind of how i how i knock stuff out amen brother amen well right on um do you want to say anything else about D&D, or should i start picking your brain about legion yeah i think that's that's good about D&D. like i said if anyone really wants to chat about it hit me up I'm, i'm happy to sweet now I've played two half-size games of Legion so far. Um, I've been, I, again, I have that thing about putting half-painted models on the board, and my trip to the States um, really sort of took, took uh, me out of getting playing when the game first came out. But I have, uh, I've signed up for my first event in a couple of weeks, um, which I cannot wait. It's at the, I believe it's the 26th at uh, Good Games Melbourne. Uh, if you are in Melbourne and you would like to play Legion, please go to the Gaming at Good Games uh, Facebook page and find that event. It's the Good Games on Lonsdale Street, not Elizabeth Street. Um, give them a call if you're not on Facebook and just say, hey, I heard there's a Legion event. Talk to me about that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm helping to build the scenery for that. It's going to be a blast. Um, but... So I have been building terrain for months. I now have almost a completely finished um, rebel army that is five squads of full rebels. 
Luke, three ATRTs, and two speeders. And so I've got literally everything that's out, and it's just about all put together and painted at this point. So I cannot wait to get full games in, which I'm planning to do in the next week or so. Uh, As I said, work's been tough. But all of that aside, you've been playing full-size games, and you've been playing a lot of them. And I've been following quite a few of your games because, again, you're posting them on Twitch, and then they go up on YouTube. And so at lunchtime, if I get five minutes slash half an hour, um, I've actually been taking a break and watching you on YouTube. So um, what? let's talk about Legion in general. Do you have – what are your thoughts about the game? I guess let's start there. Sure. So I'll start with the beginning of the journey. You know, when I saw the announcement and everything, I – wanted to resist it like i was kind of done with armada mm-hmm. i was playing D and i was like i don't i don't need to get into another competitive game yeah. um but i was lying to myself because come on there it's star wars yeah. right like fantasy flight knew i was gonna buy it and so um when i played my first game of it my friend craig demoed it for me down in, in raleigh mm-hmm. uh, probably by the end of the second turn i knew okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go buy this right now because <laughs> it's just fantastic that the game yeah. mechanics are great you know fantasy flight does do a really good job of constantly learning right they're constantly improving and so they took a lot of the great um mechanics from rune wars mm-hmm. which was a game that was almost great almost almost uh, and they borrowed kind of all the great stuff from that and quite frankly all the best stuff from bolt action i mean yeah. it's very bolt action like which is why right? i love it yeah oh yeah yeah and and it, it's bolt action like and they improved on it in my opinion in some ways because um you know rather than one order token per unit in your army those order tokens are then divided up by um squad you know by by type right yeah. so by yeah like by your core troopers by your heavy support so so you could pull a heavy support and have to activate the atst or you could pull one of four trooper tokens and you could choose which one to activate so you get a little bit of both a little bit of flexibility but a little more variability frankly yeah. um so so that the variability isn't just who's activating next it's who's activating what next yeah. um and the mechanic of those cards where they can kind of issue some orders for the things you really want to activate, which yeah. I think is a great hybrid approach. It is. Um, yeah. And so, so that mechanic combined with the way they do suppression, I think is just like, like I said, they, they learned everything they could from bolt action, the way the missions are variable mm-hmm. and they're, they're sort of a random combination of elements with some ability to manipulate that just makes for a fantastic game. And I think the mechanics are just the right level of crunchy without being um, complex. Like, like, like I was saying earlier, like quitting a game or finishing a game of Legion, you walk away like, cool, that was a lot of fun. As opposed to some games of Armada, I'm like, man, all that like Pythagorean theorem I was applying to the board and, you know, a squared minus B squared stuff has just wrecked my, my head. I can't think anymore. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think they've really landed on something quite good with this game. Um, I have not played it competitively. I may avoid playing it competitively. I'm, yeah. I'm playing basement Legion. I don't have much interest in playing it competitively, although, you know, just the, I'm voracious. And so I want to play. So yeah. I, I, there may be some tournaments nearby that I still attend just for a chance to play some games, but, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really loving it. It's, it's really well done rule set. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. I could. I, you literally are hitting all of my notes on. Yep, this is what I like about the game. Yep, this is what I like about the game. Yep, this. And I'm also not going to be playing super competitively, but yes, I want to play. So I'm going to be playing in some events, and I'm going to be playing a ton of um, basement games. I mean, literally. You and I are on the exact same page with that. Um, now, you have gotten more games in than me. Um, have you played more Imperial or Rebels? Oh, good question. I, I've probably done about a mix of both because, you know, I, I'm trying to do the thing where I have different friends come over and I, I don't want to be like, mm -hmm. this is my army. You play this other thing because right. I kind of own it all. Um, so so I, I've probably done 50-50, truthfully. And, and um, I don't even think I have a preference. I think going to a tournament, I'd have to think very hard about which one I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I will say I love, love the new Veers commander. He's just great, uh, mm -hmm. just fantastic. Um, I don't really like Vader very much. Uh, I think I, I think that'll change with some new releases. But I agree. Um, so I think in my heart, I, I'm probably a Rebel player if I had to pick. But I've probably done both about equally. Now, I guess my next question is, you, you've talked about Veers, and it's actually, having seen you streaming Veers, that was one of my next questions as well. Mm -hmm. um, what do you like about Veers besides, the thing I like about Veers is Vader is so many points in an army, and mm -hmm. he's a I mean, he's he's a beast. It's what Vader should be. It's the Vader from Rogue One. Like he destroys everything he walks through. I mean, not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, Luke can beat him. There's definitely the cards are set up so Luke can. But um, Vader pretty much walks through everything else. And so if I mean, he does die, you know what I mean, though. Um, yeah. Vader's is cheap um, by comparison points wise. And that opens up listing in a big way. Plus he's more of a support character. So his abilities, um, you know, can boost, um, squads. You, you know, you can take those like the, the rocket launchers. It allows him to, if they've already fired, he, his ability can allow them to reload. So they don't actually need right. to miss a turn to do it again. What do you like about Veers? Because I'm loving the fact that you can just fit more in and he's a support guy, but you played with yeah. him. No, it's exactly that. It's action economy, you know, right. um, counter to what I was just talking about, about how complex Armada is. I like when things are sort of, um, it's the right word, kind of, kind of combo well and mm -hmm. things that set up well. So, you know, while Armada maybe goes a little too far, I do enjoy that aspect. And Vader isn't all that combo no. centric. He's sort of, hey, there's a thing over there. We're going to walk there slowly. But when we get there, it's dead. Yeah. Um, so, which is fine. I, I think the other part of the problem for me, and, and this is a little bit just theory crafting because I haven't actually tried it yet. You have right now the ATST and Vader, and both of those combined eat up more than half of your army points. I, I think Vader will be better when there's more troops, like when the new snowtroopers come out, right? Um, where you can lead, where you can kind of say, "I'm either going to take Vader or the ATST," but I, I'm not sure I want both in my list. So. Um, I think I think part of it is exactly what you what you said, right? Veers is less than half the cost of Vader, and I like that he's kind of a traditional commander. He kind of sits back and says, "All right, you guys aim, so so I'm making you guys better." And then, oh, you guys are suppressed, so I'm going to come help you out, get you out of that. Like mm -hmm. I, I like that kind of running around behind the scenes commander approach to it. Um, I, I, he's definitely my preference right now, but I, I like I said, I, I think I, I'm trying not to go all in like I have with X-Wing and Armada because mm -hmm. they're sitting out in the garage. So I'm not buying tons and tons and tons of stuff like I usually do. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of buying, you know, one or maybe two of each new release. So once, once I get those snow troopers, I think snow troopers plus Vader will be a, a big contender for Veers plus ATST. 
Oh, yeah. And it, I, what I'm really liking about the snowtroopers is, and I was talking about this with a friend, is once we get snowtroopers, it'll be, and I, when I was saying this to my friend, I was saying, well, th- I'm so excited because this will be the first time that you can take a, a themed army in um, Star Wars Legion. It, you know, it's very themey. It matches up the tabletop. And then mid-talking about how much I love the idea that you can take this awesome themed winter army, I went, wait a minute. No, there's already two themed armies. It's the problem is everyone has the same theme right now. Um, this is right. our first real alternative to those. Um, and I, one of the things that I, I said, I've said a lot, and I keep hoping for, is every time I look over someone's shoulder to play, every battle report I watch, every I mean the two games I've played, the thing that I'm already tired of is Luke versus Vader. I just I mean, no, me too. I mean, I so love. Much. I love the way that leaders um, impact the tabletop and the way they, you know, work with other squads and the way that orders work, as you were talking about before. I mean, there is that variability, that uncertainty on the tabletop of what you're going to get next, but how leaders and the cards that you play at the beginning of each turn, that bidding system for who's going first and how many squads you get to order, um, how that actually impacts the tabletop in a really significant way and how you don't necessarily have to spend it right away like you do in bolt action you can activate a squad or you can order a squad i should say and then activate it later in the turn when you need to so there's Mm -hmm. there's great efficiency slash um i don't know grace to the way the game seems to work and there is but there's the variability that makes it exciting so I'm, I'm really excited about that. But leaders are yeah. such a big part of that. So as we get more leaders, I was first when the game first came out. I was like, oh, I really hope we get some special forces troopers. I really hope we get some alternative heavy supports. We get some different troops. But the more I look, the more I read, the more I play, the more I want leaders. I don't you know what? Me too. I'm yeah. happy with just stormtroopers and rebel troopers for the time being. Just give me like five leaders. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying I'm with you a hundred percent or even let, maybe let me play with like some generic leader. Right. You know? That's what I always wanted in Armada. Yes. Just give me like a, you know, junior captain who, yeah, yeah. he kind of sucks, but he's cheap. I, I, I want to revisit one thing you were talking about, about mm. kind of the grace in the rules. And, and one of the things that we kind of zeroed in on, which I think gets back to kind of my, um, you know, brain processing power and, and why I don't into game of legions maybe so as stressed out as some other games is uh you don't have as much choice so when you're playing armada you're looking at you know top of turn one you're looking at the table thinking holy crap i've got you know four or five ships and tons of squadrons and what am i going to activate and so every every time you pass the activation order you're thinking what am i going to do what's the most efficient thing well in legion you don't really have a choice you're either flipping Mm -hmm. the token that's available or you're going to the bag to pull a random one and when you pull a random one hey if if i pulled the atst i don't have to think about it i mean it's the atst like he's gonna have to do something which which honestly it's almost like by taking away some of that choice i think they've made the game better Agreed. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. Uh, I just, I like how that particular mechanic works. Um, And it is, it's very different from bolt action, and yet it's very familiar at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you know how much I love bolt action. So I look at it and go, yeah, this this feels right to me. Um, But you were talking about snowtroopers, and um, as snowtroopers are now literally hitting shelves around the world as pre-orders start to land, um, they're officially released the week to come. I can't, just to date this episode, um, I can't wait. Um, I think that will just, there'll be a completely different way to play Imperials. Uh, and now that we have Veers and Veers came first, 
um, we really do have different ways to play. Now, when Leia and Fleet Troopers land, I think that's going to add another whole level as well. Um, Leia, of course, being the rebel version of Veers. Um, have you had any serious thought about Leia yet? Um, I know you've done a lot with Veers. You know, I kind of haven't. And actually, my good friend Eric was fully ready to proxy because I had, you know, her um, uh, Imperial Assault mm -hmm. figure and everything. And, and I just kind of said, you know what, let's just take our time with this. Like, that's that's kind of what we did with Armada, just mm -hmm. voracious chewing on everything. I, I will say I'm now at the point where I'm uh, like really ready for Leia because I think the Rebels do need a change. And I, I actually broke exactly what I was just saying earlier about not buying everything. I bought a third ATRT and one more pack of troops. Mm -hmm. Now, in my defense, I bought those troops because a friend gave me some resin casts of alien heads. Yes. So I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to paint those rebel troops and then mix them in with the other squads just so they're not all humans. Mm -hmm. um, but that's going to allow me some variability in the rebel list where I can basically drop the speeder and take the ATRT and more troops. So I think yeah. I'll like better with Luke. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, I forget where we where we were going with that. Talking about Leia. Right. Um, I, I've thought a little bit about the fleet troopers. And, and frankly, I think I'm going to need to put them on the table to really understand yeah. how they work. Because their range feels really harsh to me. They, yeah. You know, having played the game now, range two feels like it's going to be a real problem. Um, but, you know, I don't know. But Leia looks fantastic. I think her her abilities of, you know, giving out dodges, because Rebel Troopers live and die by dodges. So mm -hmm. handing out dodges and being that inspiring leader, she's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm really excited to get her on. And it's very feasible to get both Luke and Leia in a Rebel list, which I think would really uh, be interesting to do. I, I think Veer's Vader is maybe just a hair too expensive to yeah. do. Um, yeah, no, I so, completely yeah. agree. I'm thinking... Um, so I had a friend who went to Identic uh, Adepticon, thanks Seamus, um, and he got me the alt art order cards for Luke oh, and Vader, nice. which is awesome, but he, more importantly, as part of that, got me Han Solo. So I have the Han, oh, really? I have the Han Solo card, which doesn't match the Han Solo that is that was leaked in the Han Solo article. So there's been a lot of online talk about which Han Solo to use if you're going to proxy Han Solo, Interesting. but I have the actual Han Solo alt art card. And so uh, what I'm thinking about um, once I have, you know, finished painting, because my land speeders are almost done or my air speeders are almost done and I need to base the army. Once my army's ready to put on the table for the event, I'm going to take a stormtrooper. I'm cutting off its head and yes. I'm going to cut off Luke's head because I have two corsets and cut off my that spare Luke. That is Luke's. such a great idea. I have two Luke's and extra stormtroopers right now. I'm totally going to steal that. Yeah. That is awesome. And just go, <laughs> hey, look, it's it's Han Solo. And if you look at Luke's face really closely, if you painted that hair brown uh, and you put it in a stormtrooper suit, that's totally going to... I don't care. That's going to look yeah. like a Han Solo on the board. It, That'll it just look went. awesome, man. That's such a great idea. You know, that, that kind of makes me think, uh, am I alone in that the sculpt they chose for Han Solo is really kind of bad? And I yeah. hate to trash anyone's oh, yeah. artistic work, yeah. right? Like, I feel a little guilty about it. But, man, I even noticed in the first announcement form, they didn't really show a close-up of the model. No. Like, all the pictures were from kind of far away. And, and I was kind of thinking, like, man, is it because it kind of sucks? I mean... Uh, it could be. It, I mean, it could be the paint job. And we've seen that in countless game systems before. And God, I hope it true. is. True, uh, true, true. Like, I'm looking at Veerus yeah. right now, and just his sculpt and his pose is so good. Oh, God, yeah. Luke and Vader look great. But, mm -hmm. man, Han Solo just looks, I don't know. 
I'm not. I wasn't a fan. Yeah, and I do. I do appreciate that they're giving us Endor um, Solo, General Solo, to go with yeah. the you know the commandos, and they have said. Yep. Uh, I believe it, uh, Alan Davies said it on a podcast I was listening to, or someone said it about him. Like he said it somewhere that they, we're, we're going to get, just like in X-Wing, we're going to get different versions of characters. So, I mean, we could get Smuggler Han, or we could get, um, you That's know, cool. badass Luke later. Um, so, so we're getting the end of the trilogy, the Holy Trilogy, solo. Uh, and yeah. so he's wearing that jacket. But God, I really... I'm I'm looking at it going, who do I know that's a really good sculptor? Can somebody make me Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back on? Because I want that blue jacket yeah. and the you know Yeah, you want the you want the, yeah. the vest and everything. Hell but yeah. yeah, I agree. And those guys are gonna be so much fun to paint, including him. You know, it's kind of that yeah. German World War II camouflage, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you'll be excellent at. But oh, so yeah. I, I look forward to that. But um Yeah, man. It's just gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And as as you say, as we start getting different units, um I you know, everyone was expecting well, every all the fans were expecting uh, an announcement because, of course, with Han Solo and the Commandos, um, we have our first Special Forces. Um, I believe that's what the troop slot's called. Um, yes. Yeah, it's right. the one we haven't had units for yet in the game. We've got units for everything else but that. Right. Um, and so we're getting those for the Rebels, but we haven't seen the Imperial version. Um, now, mm-hmm. I, I posted that I thought I'm hoping we get a Thrawn, or not a Thrawn, a, uh, I hope we get Death Troopers, um, which you might see Thrawn with. Because we've, they, everyone thought, as you were saying, you know, FFG sort of lets things go to pasture and die um, with some of the games they aren't supporting anymore. But Imperial Assault, everyone thought that was dead and gone. And then in the last couple of weeks, we've gotten a new ex- expansion coming for that with new um, ex- little expansion characters to add on to it. And in the box, Death Troopers. Um, and yeah. in the new, in one of the new leaked, um, one of the last things that they're releasing for X-Wing before second edition drops is stuff from Rogue One. And what are we getting? We're getting Krennic and Death Troopers. And so yes. I'm saying Death Troopers, Imperial Assault, Death Troopers, X-Wing. God, I hope they just upscale it. And that would I, be so awesome. Can yeah. I please get Death Troopers? I mean, Death Troopers would be great. Death Troopers Scouts. and Krennic. Yeah, to be right? honest, man, I, Krennic is like one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Yeah, I've just I, I really loved him because he wasn't like an uber menacing badass. It's the same thing I like about Kylo Ren. He's kind of flawed and mm-hmm. he's kind of he's evil in a very self-serving kind of I don't know selfish, greedy way. With you know, instead of the evil overlord, it, I, I loved both of them. But uh, yeah, that, that'd be so great to get Krennic and Death Troopers. That'd be yeah. wonderful. And I want the, I, I want the, uh, and I know I, I haven't been playing tons, but I'm about to be, and I'm looking at it going, can I get the uh, terrain box that they, that is, that's supposedly oh, that's coming down the pipe? Cool. I want some, uh, you know, moisture evaporators. And while I'm at it, can I please have the new mission cards? Um, because that's yeah, the other thing. Yeah, going to be great. Yeah, new mm-hmm. missions will just be awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm already sort of at my point where I'm like, okay, I think I've had enough with these uh, these you know four cards of each type, mm-hmm. which I I definitely haven't played every permutation of them, but I'm I'm ready for some new stuff. I'm just excited they are that that's already a thing. Like they didn't wait a year down the line; they announced right. within a month of the game coming out. By the way, yep. this is in the pipe, um, and so. I know the releases aren't as coming as thick and fast as we had hoped. I know the releases aren't um, as consistent as 
you know, some people w online would really like. Uh, but look, I'm. We are getting stuff. It is coming out consistently. Um, it isn't like I know. For example, I'm thinking back to when Armada first dropped, and there was a lot of hype around the game. I don't think they quite had numbers down right. And so in Australia, you guys had stuff. Um, the IFF guys had stuff months before I could get it. And so that really, really? killed a lot of my enthusiasm. I, I mean, it was hard for us to get certain things here in Australia. And we got it later. And it was just, it was really annoying because you'd be like, okay, this is coming. And then it would be on the boat for, you know, weeks on the FFG website. They would list it as being on the boat. And then it would release. And then we wouldn't get it forever after that. And there was supply problems. I think they've learned their lesson not only from a game writing perspective, I think they're really trying to make sure that their supply line isn't wrecked. Um, and they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to learn from their mistakes. That's what I've read a few people who've talked to people at FFG behind the scenes, as in you know, corporate logistics guys, not game guys. And I think that is generally where the company's at. And I'm glad that they are taking their time. They're doing it right. Um, and yes, I would like more characters now please i would love some generic characters yes i'd love more unit types but it also is um it gives us time to figure stuff out and to play the game and we have more than enough to play the game at the moment i i do yeah wish we that, had more. that's what i was gonna say too there, there is definitely more at launch than most of the other games they've launched that are similar and, and there's more than a game already there right um you know, I, I really think, especially once you have Leia, that's really when you have kind of a full breadth of options and, mm -hmm. you know, don't always know what you're going to come up against. So uh, they're, they're very close. And, and I, I think they hit it out of the park with Legion. I, I'm a really huge fan of it. Now, I want to ask you about a particular card. Um, let's, let's get let's let's narrow it down. So, yeah, um, let's get esoteric, baby. Yeah, baby. So some of the some of the squad upgrade cards. I mean, there are squad. There are cards that allow you to upgrade to special weapons troopers in your squads. There's a card that allow you to add another guy. So every time you add a card, it it add, it can either bump out your squad, bump out the armaments. But then there are upgrades you can give to them. Now on certain podcasts, they've talked about grenades till they were blue in the faces, and that's and that's great. Um, uh, grappling hooks to a degree. But there's two cards in particular I want to talk about today. And you have a lot more experience, so I thought you'd really be able to help me out with this one. So aiming is a big part of the game. It allows you to re-roll a certain number of your dice. Now, one of the cards is uh, scopes. So I, I'm, I believe that's, was it advanced scope, something like that? Um, uh, targeting scopes. Targeting scopes, thank you. Can you talk to us about... Have you played around with targeting scopes? Do you see their value in the game? What do you think? Yeah, great question. Um, so uh, what they do is they give you precise one, uh, which when you aim, you normally get to reroll two dice. And with precise one, you'll get to reroll three. So here is where I am at presently. Mm -hmm. I do not give them to my rebels because I find the rebels with the Z6 you're chucking a whole pile of unreliable dice to begin with. Mm -hmm. So aims are generally pretty inefficient for them compared to dodge. Right. You know, when they dodge, they, um, uh, they get to keep it. Basically they spend it and then they get it back. So they, so, so dodging is much more efficient for rebels in general. Mm -hmm. Um, and, while I do sometimes wind up aiming, I don't wind up aiming enough with rebel troopers to a, uh, 
get the most benefit out of the precision upgrade because typically you're re-rolling white dice, maybe the black dice of the core troopers, mm-hmm. which which is, is a good return. Uh, but, you know, the, the volume of fire for them is coming from white dice, which are just very fickle and unreliable. Yeah. Uh, but with stormtroopers, you know, uh, they, they A, have precise one uh, mm-hmm. right off the bat. So they are already re-rolling one and then with the with the targeting scopes they're now re-rolling a fourth die and they're rolling white dice with surges which is a lot more reliable so i i have often given them to stormtrooper units especially maybe two of my four i'll give mm-hmm. them targeting scopes and say hey these these guys are going to be my base of fire and especially with veers i'll keep them near veers so that he can give them aim tokens so even if they're suppressed they could they could move or they could shoot and spend an aim token uh, and get the most out of that targeting scope. So, um, so that that's where my head is right now. I don't don't really put it on rebels. Do put it on some stormtroopers. Now that's interesting because stormtroopers have the white dice, which are less reliable than the rebel troopers who are rolling red dice, um, which give them more of a probability of hitting. But as you say, um, stormtroopers do have the precise rule that if you aim, you actually get um, to pick up more dice, which is essentially what the scopes do anyway. So the scopes really do help out the stormtroopers accuracy, which they kind of need. Um, yeah, and you're kind of already planning to aim with right. stormtroopers, right? Because they're they, they kind of need it. It's kind of their special move, their kind of signature right. move. So uh, you you did get a pretty good return on targeting scopes on on stormtroopers, and that makes sense because and you were saying. Um, sort of rebels get the bonus to dodge and so you are already inclined to dodge with them plus their weapons already hit better than stormtroopers would anyway so you are sort of encouraged to dodge rather than to aim um, because stormtroopers have better armor but their weapons hit less meanwhile rebel troopers are have better weapons uh, or a better accuracy, but they're they're wearing glorified T-shirts, so you're right. expecting you have to dodge. So yeah, okay, that that basically lines up with what I was thinking. Um, does the special weapon you put in the squad does that tie into your use of um, targeting scopes? Uh, yeah, totally. And, and I'll just say I tend to only use the machine guns in either squad. Yeah. I think I think right now there's not enough vehicles to justify the others. That mm-hmm. I think that can change. I'm not saying they're garbage. No, yeah. But I don't I don't think they're all that efficient right now because um, I'll just say this: the T-47 speeder goes down fine to concentrated stormtrooper fire with DLT-19, so the rocket launcher feels frankly redundant. That yeah. being said, two rocket launchers in a, in your in your army would probably take it down even faster. So maybe there is some value there. Plus, it's still three black dice chucking against you know infantry. But um, yeah, I, I, for for for. For stormtroopers, I'm not leaving home without the DLT-19, and mm-hmm. for the rebels, I'm not leaving home without that Z6. But I don't see much use of the other two. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll put them back in to just you know put them on the table and see if I can change my opinion on them. But but frankly, the the needing to be refreshed aspect of them both uh, makes them almost a non-starter because typically by turn three or four, your guys are getting suppression. Mm-hmm. It's unreliable to be able to refresh. All right. Well, that ties in with another question I have, because if we look at the HH-12, which is the stormtrooper carrying the rocket launcher, um, mm-hmm. as you say, you're chucking three black dice. And that's that's huge uh, in the game because black have r- really good uh, efficiency as far as hitting and causing damage. But it, they, it has the impact three rule. Now, impact is very significant in that um, it, it hits people with armor. 
um, and it right. changes hits to crits. But doesn't it also, and again, I've only played two short games at this point on the small tables, but don't they change hits to crits in general? So wouldn't that help in digging squads out behind cover because crits ignore cover? Or is that something that only works against vehicles? Yeah, great question. So impact only comes into play against vehicles. You, you okay. only get to switch it if the target has armor. But but crits do ignore cover. At least they, mm -hmm. yeah, they're not removed by cover. They're sort of you're always going to roll against a crit. Um, but uh, impact does not play with cover at all. You're the sharp or is a sharpshooter? I think it's sharpshooter mm -hmm. does. So both yeah. Veers and Han Solo and I think Leia, but I don't remember for sure. Both have sharpshooter where they get to ignore a, a level of cover. Yeah, okay, that makes total sense. I think I've said that wrong on a prior podcast, and I wanted to clarify that with someone who played the game. So, sorry guys, I did actually, because I, I, I looked at this and I went, how is that? how are people not talking about this? And then that got me thinking, I'm probably playing this wrong. Um, but that makes certain vehicles that have surges that bump up to not just hits, but to critical hits, um, a really mm -hmm. big deal in my mind. Um, because, yeah, which I think is the ATRT. I, th yes, I think that's the only one. The ATRT uh, and Luke both surge into crits, which is amazingly uh, yes, efficient. Is. When, it, uh, and, when it works, it works. <laughs> that's right, and it digs you way out of cover because I mean dodges still work, but um, cover doesn't. And Do cover is a actually, big deal. Dodges, well, yeah, dodges are spent before things surge, but you, you dodges I meant don't defense get to dice. take away a crit. Yeah, yes, defense, defense dice is right, what right, I meant right, to right. say. I'm not. No, exactly. you are entirely right. I used yep. the wrong word there. All right, no let's, yep. let's talk about the other card. Now, this is a card that people mm -hmm. have been sort of muttering about because this is there's only one pack that this card exists in, and that is Veers. And people are muttering that it, it doesn't seem to appear and it isn't in any of the boxes that have arrived with Snowtroopers yet. And yet, it's got pictures of dudes in snow gear on it. It is called Environmental Gear. Um, and for three points, you can give a unit... Um, gain the rule unhindered, which means you can ignore the effect of difficult terrain. Now, I know that that means that it comes down to table-specific deployments, as in do you have a lot of difficult terrain um, areas on your board? Have you classified that um, with your opponent? I mean, do you have snowfields? Do you have forests? Do you have things like that? Um, I look at this card and think, wow, that's a really big deal, um, but not on snowtroopers which is weird because um, difficult terrain... Because they don't need it, right? right. The difficult <laughs> terrain slows you by a movement band. Um, snowtroopers have a movement band of one. So Vader and Stormtroopers are already at one. They can't be lowered below one. They're there. They can't be sped up by this card either. Right. Um, but So I think vehicle or uh, units like Snowtroopers... Um, you know, rebel troopers, things like that would really benefit from a card like this. And it's very interesting that there's only one and it's in a Veers pack. Now, I know it's probably in there so that Veers can keep up with snow troopers that can move twice and then fire um, as their special rules. But what, where do you see this card working best? And is do you kind of wish there was more of them floating around? Yeah, yeah, good question. So, like I said earlier, one of the things I hate about the FFG model is how quickly it bloats. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do like the way that so far 
Legion feels like they're not trying to rake you over the coals for that. With Armada, right. they definitely do. With X-Wing, hey, if you buy this pack, that stuff you bought two years ago is going to be better. You know, uh, And I don't want to feel like we're constantly playing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I certainly wish this was included with previous packs. I think the same can be said about Impact Grenades, although I think oh, yeah. new releases are going to have those. So you're going you're gonna to have enough before long for impact grenades um we haven't i don't know that we've seen all the cards that are coming in snow troopers i I wouldn't be surprised if this card is included with them but you know to your point it does seem strange um i don't know i I mean my table doesn't have enough difficult ground for troops and maybe it should and i haven't played on one that really did yet so i I don't see where it'd be hugely impactful for me but you know if i throw a swamp on the board or something it it could be massive Mm -hmm. um so yeah uh, that being said man like i was talking about earlier i'm playing basement legion now i'm kind of turning a new leaf i whereas with armada i was going to ebay to buy cards and stuff you know what I'm going to do right now? If I really want that card, I'm just going to go print one. Yeah, exactly. Put it in a little mini sleeve, and now I have that card. I, I don't care. You yeah. Know? No, I hear that. For, for a tournament, obviously, I would not do that, but. Right. Um, I, as I'm, again, I'm also playing a lot. Uh, I'm planning to do play this casually, but um, I, I do, I will be playing on my own terrain, um, and I am adapting. I have quite a few tables of bolt action terrain, but I've been buying Star Wars terrain that I can swap out maybe my World War II buildings and replace them. So I have, for example, a forest board already that by removing a few buildings and replacing them with, you know, a turbo laser battery and an Imperial bunker, all of a sudden, boom, I've already got the hills. I've already got, you know, the tree stands, um, the kidney shapes with the trees on them of uh, area terrain. I've got walls that match. And then now I've added the Star Wars terrain, Shazam, I'm Star Warsy. Um, likewise, I have uh, a Hoth table. Likewise, I have at least one desert table already ready to rock and roll. So I have at least three, possibly four Star Wars tables ready to go this very second. Um, and by so I already have area terrain. So I look at this card going, oh, wow, that's a big deal. Um, Whereas if you look at a lot of the online battle reports, people are putting down a few buildings and are using the uh, barricades from the the core game, and you Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of area terrain. Um, And I think that maybe as the game matures, um, you might see more. It will be, I guess it does depend on whether or not this card will see valued on your local meta and how people are playing it. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, you know, even this conversation makes me realize I should probably add some difficult terrain to my board. I'm trying very hard to kind of follow their guidelines, which is roughly a quarter of the board with terrain. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've got forests and we don't classify the forests as difficult. Maybe we could. That would, that would make a difference. Um, so, uh, yeah, I should probably probably add some swamps or something or some, I don't know, rocky areas. Yeah, right on. Yeah, no, man, I'm uh, yeah, I, I've been looking at. um Oh, do I do I add a, a landing port that's got um, you know a landing pad and put crates all over it um, and count it all as area terrain that you have to circumnavigate around, or do you count those as individual barricades? It you know you do it again. It comes down to how you play that with your partner or your opponent. Um, how does that yeah. work? Um, yeah, I'm just I'm excited about the conversations and the opportunities that this game's opening up. It's it's just a blast, man. In fact, I'm going to be streaming tomorrow. I guess I don't know if you get this out in time, but we'll be streaming at two o'clock p.m. Eastern time uh, on Sunday. 
Um, and I'm going to be streaming with Andrew, who, who runs Tabletop Admiral. So you should. Nice. Uh, I, don't, I have no idea what time that is for you. What are you? Seventeen hours ahead? <laughs> is that right? It's, it's timey wimey things. I literally. I yeah. I use I use an app for that because uh, every you time to, I right? try and use my brain, I get it wrong. And the number of times, I mean, thankfully, I've only done that maybe once or twice in all the years I podcasted, where I've gone, <laughs> "Hey, where?" I thought we were podcasting now, and they went, "Nope, it's tomorrow." And I went, "Son of a." Oh, um, which is why Google's my friend. Um, yep. Yeah, got to. That's it. All right, man. Well, I sadly, I think, oh, God, I hate to say this. Our time kind of is coming to a close. But before we roll out, um, is there anything in particular Legion wise that you are really looking forward to or really gets you excited? I mean, I'm not saying we need to necessarily close out the top, the the episode now, but what what's sort of getting your juices flowing? What opportunities are you really looking forward to? Where are you? Sure. At? You know, I, I think for me, it's it's really getting back into streaming. Uh, you know, I, I was streaming Armada quite a bit, and I think Armada was a good game to stream, but I think Legion yeah. looks better. Legion prints better. And so I'm thinking about how to make the game look better. Right now I'm painting a, a almost-to-scale Lambda shuttle with a oh. landing bay. You know, and I think that's going to look awesome on the stream, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. So, 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 yeah. So for me, part of it is has less to do with the game itself and more to do with how can I make the streams more entertaining and, and how can I engage people who are watching more? You know, we're trying to, like, interact with the chat more and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. uh that, that's part of that for me. That that's where my energy is with with Legion right now. Is both you know painting. I love that. I kind of hope they continue releasing things not in big waves. I hope they kind of release like, hey, and this week it's storm snowtroopers, mm -hmm. and then in two weeks it's this, so that I can constantly be caught up on painting because I will buy everything they come out with and paint it. But I yeah. I hate coming home with an arm full of stuff and be like, okay, now let's start this process all over again that nearly kills you. Yeah, you know. So I, I want to spread it out, and and I love the idea of hey, a new release is out, so now we're gonna stream something with that new release as soon as i can get it painted and always be you know have the painted stuff on stream always do red versus blue and, and kind of let people experience legion you know the way i like to experience it and i think other people will too which is that that very themed very star wars feeling totally. not so competitive approach to it and with releases like veers and leia that i mean you can walk into a shop pick up veers walk out paint him maybe over the span of a night or two you know a day depending on how <laughs> fast you are as a painter I'm, I'm quick i got i got beers yeah. done in like two and a half hours oh so. my god i'm I jealous <laughs> yeah but you can get them down and then get them on and as you say you don't have to look at this wall of unpainted miniatures and go oh god i have to paint all this now um which yep. sometimes you know can can be a drag even if no matter how excited you are about it um like having an entire snowtrooper army sounds amazing to me but uh you better believe that i've been looking at you know do i paint these as in, in galactic marines do i paint these as snowtroopers i'm looking at the two going now which one can i cheat and paint fast with um yeah. because as you now, say that's a thought man yeah oh, go ahead. it's just and there's a guy who's been painting um who's got the snowtroopers a jerk um who got an army's worth and has been painting them putting them up online um already and he's been he's using uh the gw wash griffin sepia i believe is the title of it oh, i think that's the newest yeah. name but he's mixing it with the gw thinning seraphim sepia thank I'm you seraphim. Right seraphim sepia yep. yep um and you add the lemian um thinning liquid to it uh and then you very carefully paint it on because if you look at pictures of empire stripe back snow troopers they're not white 
Like if you look yeah, at Stormtroopers, like that that's almost a bone color. Right. Right. And the armor's yeah. white, but then the cloth sections are a different color. They're like faded and dirty. Um, and so that he's just been painting that onto straight onto the cloth sections on the snowtroopers, and then he's painting the armor back in white, um, where he's been messy and missed a spot, and then he's just l- carefully um, lining in the details between the white plates, and then painting the weapons and putting and done, and they look fantastic. And you just look at yeah. it going, you're not spending 16 hours putting seven layers of, you know, white on each one of these pauldrons. And if you look at the pictures, because he's posted pictures from a distance and close up, if you look at them really close up, you go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, the sapier parts. Well, that's kind of messy. But then from a distance, they look fantastic. And that's the whole yeah, point. That, it's the rule of cool that, and three foot rule. Like you're three feet from yeah. the table when you're standing up. That's exactly how I did my snow troopers for um for uh, IA. Oh, I, is I it? Did them exactly the same way. Nice. I, I was, and, and that's where my head was that I was going to ask you. I can't decide how I'm going to do them now. Like, right. They're not going to be in the snow because I'm basing them in the in the forest. And I don't know. I might mm. just paint them the same way and think of them less like snow troopers and more like, you know, heavy stormtroopers or something like that. But yeah. I don't know. I, I gotta go look around for other paint jobs. I've seen where some people did red or some people yeah. did like the fabric was black and the armor was oh, white. That God. could look cool. Yeah. There's, well, there's some cool ideas, but I don't know how I want to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I posted a whole wall of pictures yesterday of Galactic Marines, which are literally the same stormtrooper costume except the armor plates are red and then the 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 cloth on the pants is gray um and they are you know um like shipboarding uh stormtrooper type guys um and there's a whole they're canon there's a whole wall of information you can read about them highly recommend galactic marines i just googled them and they look awesome yeah right fantastic and those guys you you know it's canon that vader you know said all of you with me and then landed and smashed someone with them and you go yep fantastic there you go um but do i want to if I sit down and start painting all that red and gray, I'm just looking at it going, I know me and my painting style. I'm going to be painting these till Christmas. Um, yeah. Whereas I want to get them on the table. I want to be playing this game. Um, because yeah, like if you, you... If you just do yeah. the default color, you're good. You're, you're done yeah. in a couple of nights tops, right? Yeah, well, I'm killing myself. Thankfully, um, the one and only Patch has helped me out by painting all of the infantry and the rebels. Um, so I have two core sets, and I got a bunch of expansions um, to the game, as I said. And Patch has painted everything that is human-shaped. And I got a bunch of the resin alien heads, like you were talking about earlier, from Gadzooks nice. Gaming. And so... I, you know, I repositioned a ton of the arms. Um, I did arms head swaps between models, and then I added a bunch of the alien heads. So I have a ton of variety within my troops. So it took me, you know, a week plus to actually assemble my rebels, but I was cleaning off mold lines and doing swaps and doing the whole thing. I really wanted to have differentiation for the Rebs, I don't care about the Imperials. They're all wearing the same outfit. I don't care. Yeah. Um, In fact, you don't want variation. That's what makes them look awesome. Exactly. <laughs> and so I was going, okay, I'm going to take my time with the Rebels. Patch thankfully painted them up for me, and they are gorgeous. But now I'm looking at them, and I'm, I'm painting my vehicles, and I'm taking all that time to meticulously paint every little thing because I don't want to half-ass a bunch of vehicles and then put them next to Patch's gorgeous infantry and patch of course sneezes mm-hmm. and another army's done and so he literally painted i think the entire army in less than a week um wow. maybe 
even who he painted half of them in two days. And I just went, yeah, you're a disgusting man. Um, yeah, and, that's pretty solid. And that's five squads, full squads of bros, Luke, three ATRT pilots. And it was like, bam, done. You go, oh, and they're amazing. You're anyway. But I'm looking at this. And so I'm, I'm painting the vehicles to match. But now I have the problem of they're gorgeous. And he's used sort of the same scheme he's painted uh, German Africa Corps with. Um, but he's added greens to the mix for some of the the clothing, like some of the Africa Corps guys had as well. But now right. I'm looking at him going, now how do I base these things? So I was going to go with like a, a gray ruined rubble city situation because I've painted other models that have had like that khaki scheme. And I think the gray makes that pop and patches schemes, you know, and I love a pop and patch loves pop. So I'm, I want them to really go bam. And like, you notice them, but then I got to looking at, um, games workshop makes some technical paints. And one of them is a, like this, it's a, it's a medium you pour on the ground. It looks like paint. And as it dries, it cracks and it looks like dry desert dirt. And I'm going, and then you just dry brush around the top of it. And I'm going, that would be amazing. But then would that make them pop? Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to maybe do a test fig. But yeah, yeah I'm going to test oh, it out. Because otherwise, I'm literally going to have to cut them off the base to do the bases to then glue them back into the base after I've painted them because I don't want to mess up the paint job on Patch's shoes because I've done that and it sucks. And, you know, having to repaint Patch style boots on an army's worth of guys takes you know for me almost as long as it takes patch to paint the army in the first place and i'm going yeah no i'm not i'm not doing that again that's madness right so well um, it should, should be pretty easy to pop them off and re-glue them exactly I think if, if you have to go that way it wouldn't be too bad especially since i intentionally glued the foot joins very lightly um knowing that i would probably have to do that um so right. yeah right. but i'm still looking at it going how can i make this all visually beautiful um, whereas I think when I get snow troopers, it's going to be now, how fast can I paint these? Um, yeah, how, get them out, get them on the board. Yeah, man. Oh, so exciting. But then I'm like, do I need a second veers? One for the stormtroopers and one for the snow troopers and have different bases. <laughs> and, like, uh, and I'm already falling down madness holes and like, you know, going, oh, do I do this? Do I do that? And go, well, yeah, how about I just slow the hell down? And I figure yeah, out. Yeah, man, uh, that way play madness some lies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like you, um, I've recently bought, well, because of you, um, I loved your um, Armada streams. Uh, and I started watching when I was traveling, I was thinking, well, you know, I really want to catch up with Legion. I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on the big release games um, and people are talking about it. So I watched a ton of online battle reports and mm-hmm. I was watching them saying some of these are awesome um, and I really enjoy some of them. And some of them you look at it going, you know, I, I might be able to do better than that. Um, mm-hmm. And I know like, you know, you sit like you listen to a podcast and you think, you know, you want to talk and you want to enjoy, you know, engage in the conversation. And that's kind of where podcasting started for me. It was like, well, I want to talk to that person. So I'm going to mm-hmm. start the podcast so I can talk to that person. So I'm watching these video reports going, not necessarily I want to do better than them, but I want to, I want to interact. I want to be part of that situation. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, and so I'm kind of doing that as well. Um, and for me, yeah, having the painted awesome. stuff on the board, like you, is what matters. And I need to remember that and get things painted quickly. Yeah, man. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. 
Right on. Well, brother, um, I am actually officially, I believe, out of time uh, and out of <laughs> my computer's uh, making noises at me that the battery's going. So I think <laughs> um, we may have to sadly call it a day. Um, Steve, it has been a total pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I'd uh, be happy to come back anytime you want me. Oh, careful with that, man, because uh, the invitation stands <laughs> for you to come back anytime. Now, hold on. Where are people going to find your Twitch? Because I, I know you talked about the D&D, but is that the same yeah. Twitch for your Legion? It is not. Okay. No, I've got, a, I've got my, my separate Twitch, which is uh, twitch.tv slash WWPDSteven. And my personal Twitter account, which is what I really talk about the Star Wars stuff, is uh, SJ McLaughlin really was thinking way back when uh mm -hmm. how easy it was for people to find that's s-j-m-a-c-l-a-u-c-h-l-a-n just rolls right off the tongue yeah, it does. and then um the D, D group uh the twitter is castle mac d n d as in the letter n mm -hmm. um and then the twitch is twitch.tv slash castle mac um and yeah, the, both of those streams are, are you know, if, if you follow them, you can get a little notification for when it's live. And, and we love having people come and interact. It's really half the fun. So feel free to jump in and, and, and chit chat with us. Oh, that's awesome, man. I know I'm going to be watching your streams because I have been. And I loving the fact that you back everything up to YouTube. So though I live on the other side of the world, I can still watch them in my own time, which is awesome. And thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's a blast. Well, right on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, as always, if you have any sneers, jeers, abuses, or things you would like to say to us about this podcast, um, if you're listening and really wishing you could enjoy, you know, engage in the conversation and you feel like we may have said something glaringly wrong or would like to say something nice to us, um, please find us on Facebook under Cast Dice, C-A-S-T, Dice. Um, please message me there. Uh, my name is Brad, and I love talking to you guys. Um, thank you again to all the people who have been sending me messages. Uh, there have been some awesome messages with some great content that I'm actually going to be sharing very soon. Um, some awesome auto Sahariana stuff, for example. Super excited. Um, lots of great stuff coming. So again, thank you to everyone. And again, uh, I do know that there are a lot of podcasts to listen to out there. And I know podcasts don't cost anything. So people sort of go, ah, fire and forget, forget about it, you know, listen or not listen. But I appreciate the fact that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I do realize, especially these days, just how precious time is. And the fact that you've spent that resource listening to this podcast means a great deal to me. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this is Cast Dice. And as always, I would like to wish you this. I hope your beverages stay cold. I hope your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, I hope when you are playing the games that we are talking about, you are having fun. Ladies and gentlemen, good night.